Welcome to the Sober Sessions Podcast, where I am your host, Connie McMillan, aka the Sobriety Queen, coach, and author. On this podcast, we help kings and queens live purpose, no longer pain. We interview kings and queens around the globe so that you can hear their real life stories to see just how your life too can be transformed. So let's jump on into the episode. Welcome to the Sober Sessions Podcast, where I am your host, Connie, also known as the Sobriety Queen. I am super excited, guys. I know it's been a while since I've had a guest, but I've got a special guest for you all, Miss Gloria Cajillo, and she's actually better known on Instagram as Sober Girl Glow. Let me tell you. When you hear this queen's story, you're going to be blown away just as I was. Um, I met her on social media and I was literally drawn to her. Um, And that is who I am. Like there's always something in people that I see and I want for my audience to be able to see it as well, to hear it, to be able to relate on a different level. So as I am interviewing, we're going to jump right in, right? Welcome to the Sober Session Podcast, Gloria. Hi, Sobriety. How are you? I am blessed and highly favored. How are you? Humbled and full of gratitude. Oh, thank you. Th- Listen, I am humbled and grateful. Um, as I was saying, you know, I met you on social media. There was just something about you. Literally, she has a glow. Like, her name is fitting. It literally is. And for me, I feel like that is what sobriety does for us. It actually illuminates you know, what's already inside of us in alcohol. We both know that don't do nothing. That don't, that does not serve us. So give us the backstory to your journey when it comes to prior to gaining sobriety. What was life like? Okay. So, you know, I am, I want to say I'm a product of my environment for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, my earliest memory of alcohol and substance abuse, I'm probably about three years old. Um, I kind of live a double life my whole childhood. I went back and forth between my mom, a single mom, a single teen mom with some mental health issues, and then my grandparents. Um, So when things got kind of tricky or kind of hard for one household, I was sent to another household. Um, And then about 12 years old, I went to go and live with my mom. And she was single and working and she spent every night in the bar. And so I think when you are a kid Mm -hmm. and then you're dropped off again into an environment like that, and it's kind of like, okay, now you have to stay here. You kind of, you find other outlets. Like I said, I mean, the only outlet and what I was seeing was alcohol. And so that was the easiest thing for me to turn to when I felt alone. Um, And then she also had a tab at the corner store, which didn't, you know, it was, accessible to me so I ran with the kids in the neighborhood and they all knew that I can get like four keys of old English and some Mad Dog 2020 so we were just drinking malt liquor standing on the corner you know but those kids were going home and um to structure to Mm -hmm. punishment to something and I was going home to nobody you know there was no consequences there was no guidance so it was just easy for me to continue that behavior. 
Wow. So you, you said that, you know, it seems like you were living a double life. So being raised in one environment and then being now pulled back into your mom's environment, which seems, and correct me if I'm wrong, which seems to be more lenient and not as much of a structural environment as we children need structure. That's just the bottom line. Um, so I, what was the other environment like? as opposed to being with your mom. What was that environment like? So my grandparents are from South, they're from Texas. So it was yes ma'am and no ma'am and yes sir. And I couldn't say dang, sounded like damn. I couldn't say hella, sounded like hell. You know, it was <laughs> very like, you know, it was very proper. Um, and it was Disneyland trips and guest jeans. I mean, really, it was like one extreme to the other. Right. But I really think when I started acting out, like sixth grade, seventh grade, which I think is normal for most kids, that's when they start rolling their eyes and talking back. And, you know, mm-hmm. they were just like, mm, not my responsibility. Let's send you to your mom. And my mom was young. I mean, she had me when she was 18. So when I, you know, when I got sent back to her, she was just in her 20s partying it up. Right, right. Okay, yeah, so you had got a little sassy, and Grandma, they was like, no, we're not dealing with this. We, we don't have to. So now you're back with your mom. As you said, now you're thrown into a situation. Your mom is living her life, and so now you're in this environment, and you're feeling like you've got to grow up fast, or you've got to grow up by yourself. Right, and oh. so what was happening is, like, I, I found kids in the neighborhood, and we had tons of fun. Like, I, like I'm not even going to pretend like it was all bad. I mean, it was fun. I mean, I definitely made a lot of bad choices. Right. I made a really good couple of connections during that time. And I would go to those homes and I would stay with them for a few days at a time. And I would get fed a hot meal. And, you know, then my aunt, who's been in recovery for 30 years, she would call my mom looking for me. Like, where's Gloria? You haven't talked to her in a few days. What's going on? And then my mom would care. You know, and then it was like, you have to come home. What are you doing? You're not, you know, and try to set some rules for me. Um, by the time I was 16, it was like too little too late. I was like, you know what? Nobody's going to tell me what to do. Mm-hmm. Nobody's going to tell me how to live my life. Um, I dropped out of school. Um, I got sent back to my grandparents during that time. And they tried to give me some structure. And then it just, I really had to figure it out on my own what I wanted to do. Um, during that time, too. I met a new set of friends because now it's high school. Right. And I moved back. So I went from the Bay to the Burbs. So I moved back to the Burbs with my grandparents. And I met some, like, till this day, really good friends. Um, one of them is actually in recovery. She's in NA. And I love her. She's the first person I called when I surrendered. I'm like, I need some help. And she was right there with me and, you know, supporting me. But I had fun. I just, I lived it up. I got a fake ID. I was at the bars every weekend me and my girls we were living the life mm-hmm. you know it was it wasn't glamorous because we were kids i mean we were still going home you know to our parents right home, me and my grandparents house um but there was just really no consequences and i think unfortunately at that time like that 16 to 20 year old age it's pretty common i'm trying to break that generational like generational cycle with my kids mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. um but it, it's just common. It's like a rite of passage almost. So the girls that I ended up hanging with, they were just starting to do this. And I had already been doing it. Mm. You know? so I was kind of like, I was showing them the ropes. So I was like, no, we're going to pour more. We're going to drink more. We're going to smoke more. We're going to live it up and we're going to have fun. 
Mm. So you, right. At that point, you're like, listen, I'm a pro. That's not how you do it. This is how you do it. And alcohol has that way of doing that. Listen, trust and believe I've been there too. I could remember telling girls that really weren't drinking enough, just as you were like, no girl, you need more. You need more. So now you have this circle of friends that are idolizing you, so to speak. So you're feeling, how are you feeling in that moment? Are you feeling like accepted or looked up to or that mm -hmm. I have to live up to in mm -hmm. my head. I've always been a one-woman show. I'm not even going to lie. It comes with a little bit of my vanity, probably. Uh -huh. you know, but, like, I loved it. Like, I love the attention. And I am definitely a girl's girl. And so if I can make a connection with you, I'm also an only child. So if I can make uh. a really special connection with you, and unfortunately, it involves alcohol, like, I'm soaking it in. I'm loving you. Like, you are my girl. I love you. Let's, let's get lit. Let's party. And so, you know, that's what I did. Um, we, I met my husband during that time. I met my husband when I was 20. He's my soulmate. Wow. You know, I, and I met him, believe it or not, in a bar slash kind of nightclub. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we met, and it was a beautiful thing. It, like, right from the beginning. It, it just, it was something special. Mm -hmm. And things happened really fast for us. We moved in with each other. Um, we got pregnant. You know, a year later, we had a year, we year into it we got pregnant with our son um a year later we got married and i just remember being pregnant at 22 and like i couldn't wait for that my son to just be born so i can introduce him to the world but the selfish part of me was i couldn't wait for him to be born so i can have fun with my friends you know oh, okay still going out still having fun still partying and i'm in the house you know like my husband and I, I mean, we would have company or we would go out to dinner if we had a sitter or whatever the situation, and we would drink on the weekends. And it was binge drinking. It wasn't baby drinking. You know, mm -hmm. it was just I was raising a baby. Um, and then on the weekend, you know, it's just that celebratory weekend drink. Just right. Common. We'll do it. Right. I just didn't know how to stop in the end. And so a couple years later, we had our daughter. During that time, I just, I'm like 24 now, and I'm like, oh my gosh, like, I just can't wait to party it up, and um, I had her, and the same, just, I think, I think I started, my weekend started a little bit earlier during that, like, after she was born, I, think mm -hmm. I started on a Thursday rather than a Friday, you know, but it was, in my eyes, I was managing, you know, like, I kept a clean house, I'm a good wife, I'm right. a good mom, I'm doing what I'm supposed to. So it's all good with the way I was drinking. You right. Know, when everybody else around me are in their early 20s, they're doing the same thing. You know, a majority of people that I know, that I know to this day, that's what we were doing. So let me ask you this, because again, alcohol is very manipulative. So because you had this circle of friends, your husband, you guys, everything seemed to be fine. You know, you still were raising your children. Yes, you were longing for the moment to have your child and then be able to go back to that lifestyle, which was, you know, again, for all of us comfortable or what we knew. Were there any signs of like blackouts? Were there any behavioral, like explosive moments? Were there any one telling you at that point, you know, maybe you should cut back or maybe you should focus on the children? Was any of that happening? No, not at all. I think I was a blackout artist by 16. Like, I really remember being, like, a teenager and blacking out. Wow. Um, 
Mm. So when I presented to everybody else, nobody saw me. And then again, it goes back to me being a product of my environment. My mom drank at home. Well, she went to the bars, but I mean, I saw her every day when she was, the days she wasn't home, she was drinking at home alone. You know? Yeah. So it's like I picked up those habits. So like bath time was mommy time. Like I'm going to go and I'm going to have some, you know, a glass of wine in the bath or whatever. And, you know, I'm going to go to a party and, or we're going to get pizza. Of course we need a pitcher of beer. And Mm -hmm. everybody was tuning in. What I was doing differently is when I was in public places, I was having like, I was moderating my drinking in a public place. Mm. Nobody could see what I was doing when I went home or when I was alone. Um, My husband, I want to say late 20s, early 30s, he just was like, you know what? He was like, you've just kind of stolen the fun out of this. Like, it used to be fun. Mm -hmm. Have a good time because he's a normie, right? Like, he's just like, he could have a few and be like, all right, we're good. Let's call it at night. And me, I'm like, no, the party's not over. Right, right. (laughs) Exactly. Like, no, we can't do this. The party's not over. You know, and he just, he just stopped. He was like, you're going to do you. I love you. You know, and so he was more like, like, I think you've had enough tonight. But then that just opens (coughs) up, right? That just Mm -hmm. opens up that, like, who do you think you are? You can't tell me what to do. I never had a dad. I mean, I would throw anything out there just to continue my drinking. Yeah. Um, and then the kids got older. Like I, you know, I surrounded, I was surrounding myself around other women, other moms that drank. Right. Like I still had my circle of friends who I would see and hang out with, and we would drink together and have a good time. Nobody knew what was going on. Then my kids get to school, and I am volunteering in every classroom. I am team mom. I am organizing everything. Everything is like super structured for my kids. Like I was that mom because I had to prove to myself that I wasn't like my own mother. Uh-huh. I'm going to do this times a hundred and I'm going to do it the best way I know how. Now, let me ask you this one second. So at this point, your husband isn't drinking at all or he's just like, what is his position with the drinking? He's, is he um, saying he's not drinking with you at all or he's not drinking, period? No, not really drinking, period. Like if we would like go somewhere for a football game or like have family over, like I host holidays. Maybe he would have a beer. Maybe. But right. he just, he was not feeling it. He was like, okay. no, it's just, I think he knew that somebody needed to be responsible. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. You know, like we have kids, something goes down, obviously you can't do it. Right. You know, he never said those words to me, and I know definitely working the program that I'm working today, we're going to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, he made the conscious decision, like, nope, not for me. Right. All right. All right. So let's, let's pick back up where you were. So now you're surrounding yourselves with these group of women and it's like, in your mind, you've got to prove to yourself, I'm no, nothing like my mom. I can manage this drinking as well as manage my life. Is that correct? Correct. So I would always make sure, like I, I was drawn to other women that drink. Like I always knew to find other moms that maybe they weren't doing it like I was doing it. Right. Right. But I made sure to make sure that they would, they had a little something in that refillable cup. It wasn't water. Uh-huh. I want to hang out with you. You're my go-to kind of girl. Mm, right? Like, okay. Same so here. Now, yes. Let's, let's go for a walk while our kids play. You know, that's what I did. And I was really good at just doing that. And so I was super, super active um, in just my kids' life. Like, so 
you know, maybe those moms were going home and they were cooking a dinner and they, they stopped at the park, mm-hmm. you know, me, I didn't stop. Like I left the park and I found a, I just went to a drugstore. I didn't go to the store, just, you know, a drugstore and buying cheap bottles of wine and pretending that I need to pick up something for dinner. I didn't. And then I would come home and, you know, I would just drink until there was nothing left. Like I was always jealous of that household that I would go to mm-hmm. and they have like this beautiful soft liquor section or cabinet or bar. Yes. Yes. Oh, I know. <laughs> Cause we was drinking everything. Yes. So let's, what happened? What was the breaking point for you to say enough is enough? So my drinking got really bad. Um, once my grandpa died. So I lost my grandpa. Mm-hmm. They didn't know what I was hiding from everybody. And I am reliable and I am trustworthy and I love and I love to love. Mm-hmm. And I took on way too much responsibility yeah. that I wasn't prepared for. You know, here I am, uh, what, I want to say 33, maybe 34, and mm-hmm. I've been the only man right. that, besides my husband. Right, right. Who is a significant person. But, you know, it's my dad. I mean, mm-hmm. it's the only dad I had. Mm-hmm. He's gone, and I'm young. Mm-hmm. And I'm dealing with these issues that women, young women in my age, it's not the norm. You know, it's usually like my mom. Right. My aunt, um, she came, but she lives in Mexico. So she came down and she was like, you tell me what you need. But mm-hmm. she was too far away. You know, when she went back home, it was like, I'm dealing with something in the present, like right yeah. in the second. So yeah. I can call her and I can lean on her and we can have a plan and discuss it. But I didn't know what to do in those moments. So I turned to more wine. Like mm. and I turned to vodka and I turned to like if I dabbled a little bit with some Norcos. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I was just like, ooh, like mm-hmm. just whatever can fill that void I was doing it. And then the same thing. I'm still maintaining a job. Mm-hmm. I'm still active in my kids' lives. Mm-hmm. I'm still doing everything that I'm supposed to do. So it looks really good to everybody. Right, right. Um, but then my son turned 16, and now I feel like, well, now I have a DD. Like, now I don't have to worry about anything. And I started putting these responsibilities on my children that shouldn't be their responsibility. Hmm. You know, like, I, I depended on my son to pick me up from a happy hour with my coworkers after work. Or... You know, I depended on my daughter to take place of keeping your dad company on a Saturday because I can't follow through with my plans because I'm too hungover and I'm in bed all day, mm-hmm. you know? And so I started seeing where my kids stopped wanting people around. Like they weren't, we moved into a new home and my son has had friends over maybe twice. She has a girlfriend wow. now, she comes over, but I'm sober, so she's coming over. But like my son, he was not having any he just was embarrassed yeah yeah how I would react or what I would do you Mm. know and then my daughter slowly but surely she was the one that was just like she she called me out of my shit like I love her for that Mm -hmm. um she's 16 right now Mm -hmm. she's just like not cute mom nope you know and Mm -hmm. she was just flat out telling me Mm -hmm. um and so I just I went in this downward spiral and it was a vicious cycle it's right. like, like lies and manipulation 
manipulating and anxiety and just making myself good for a day or two just to do it all over again. Yeah. So yeah. I my my binge drinking ended up to weekly drinking and I allowed myself one day for my hangover and then I allowed myself the next day because I feel good again. Yeah, well sounds like me. <laughs> like how I used to do it. So what what came to the breaking point? What was it? What was the final straw? Um, wet brain, um, you know, and like, do I have these things? Like, what's going on with me? Like, my cognitive thinking was affected, you know, like I wasn't who I knew how to be, and I couldn't manage my life anymore. My life literally became unmanageable. Um, and I explain what you mean by wet brain. Well, I'm just fearful of it. Like, I that's something that I'm of so I googled it so like it's just an alcoholic term like if you're really really bad and you're drinking and mm-hmm. you know everything all of your organs are affected okay and your brain kind of goes to mush okay and that's really like somebody with like stage five right liver right. damage you know other things happen but I'm like why can't I just add these why can't I remember this phone number like why can't I remember seven digits mm-hmm. you know why can't I add these numbers like I used to all I have to do is add a one and make it a whole number you know just Mm, right. You know, Sounds like you got scared straight. <laughs> you straight enough to say, I need to get some help with this. So what did you do? So I went on a week binge. Um, my daughter had a birthday and COVID, no, COVID hit and I was drinking every day because I was home. So it mm-hmm. was like I was just drinking and drinking and drinking and it, and it got worse and worse. And then again, I recovered for a couple of days. My daughter turned 16 um, in June, and I went on a week-long binge. I just, I started drinking on her birthday, and I just didn't stop. And I couldn't catch that buzz. Mm-hmm. You know, like, when you drink so much, it's like, you can tell somebody, oh, well, I'm drinking, but it's not doing anything. Right. And that's what happened. And so, like, I'm just drowning myself in everything that I have at home, and then running back to Target or Walgreens or whatever, mm-hmm. and buying more. Mm-hmm. always made sure I had vodka in my freezer and taking shots on the side and and then um, one night I argued with myself like I, the sh- I my daughter wasn't home um, she was away that evening and I destroyed her room I like searched her room just so I can find another excuse for me to continue drinking you know like I'm like mm-hmm. if I if there's a problem then I can keep on going mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I'm Mm-hmm. And um, I, I just, I, I kept 
it to myself. And mm-hmm. a week goes by and my husband is like, you haven't drank this week. And I go, no. And he goes, that's really good. Mm-hmm. And I still didn't make the commitment. You know, I still didn't want to put it out there into the atmosphere. Right. And the day that I knew that it was real for me was the day that I called my aunt. Because like I said, she's been clean for 30 years. And I never wanted to disappoint her. And I was embarrassed and ashamed. Right. Right? Right. And so I call her and I'm just like bawling my eyes out. And I feel like I'm dying. You know, I mean, that detox, that week. Because here I am now drinking almost 30 years. You know? Right. So that day, that was a hard day for me. And I just, I really felt like I was dying. And she said, you know, Amaya's my daughter. And she was like, she she's mentioned to me, you know, that you drink a lot. But I'm not one to judge you. I'm just here to support you. Hmm. So you tell me what you need. And I got you. And that day, it, you know, this weight was lifted off of my shoulders. Um, and then I was on social media and I was embarrassed that stuff, like on my personal account, I was embarrassed that on the Explorer page, everybody would see all this sober stuff pop up because I was like searching so much like sober curious, mm-hmm. sober blah, 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 you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I was just like looking for something and I was finding all of these cool pages. So I created a separate page. So then again, my, you know, double life kicks in, right? And I'm just like, but it really just helped me. It helped me just say what I have to say right. and also hear what I needed to hear. And it sounds to me like having your aunt who had already lived this, you know, it was a safe place and space that you could go to, you could run to. And yeah, you were more afraid of disappointing her, but the reality was she was the person that that was most relatable to go to, right? So it was just great to to hear that. Um, I think that that's what it sounds like to me. That was like the big kicker too. And then taking that step to say, all right, I'm going to create a page. So as I said to you guys at the top of this interview, like I found her on social media. So what was the point? Or what was the yeah, what was the whole point behind you creating this page? Because the name is Sober Girl Glow. What was the thought behind that? Let me say that. Okay, so my name's Gloria, right? And so I knew that, you know, a lot of people call me Glow. It's not really like my nickname, but it's just what I've gotten used to because people choose to call me that and I don't mind it. But when I got sober, you know, that first month or whatever, like, I felt like I was glowing. Like I was literally on that pink cloud, you know, I yes. felt really, really good. So my envision was like the sun is shining, you know, oh, and so that I was love like it. the glow part of it. But then, you know, it goes hand in hand with my name. Um, I so love it. <laughs> it's and fitting. It's definitely fitting. <laughs> thank you so much. But you know, I, I created that account for accountability. Ah. Like I, I created an account so that, one, because I only had one friend who's working the program. I called her my first week sober. She gave me all the literature I needed. Um, I called my aunt, and then I have nobody else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I have my husband. My daughter knows. My son, I still hadn't told him. Mm. He's just still kind of like, no, when we're ready to have that conversation, we'll have that conversation. Um, it came a little bit later, and he's really proud. And my daughter was like, how could you not know mom's not drinking? What's wrong with you? <laughs> I don't know how to pay attention. And so, anyway, I 
the, the, the account created. I'm meeting other sober women. Um, it's a safe space. It's a community. And we're in COVID. Right? Yes. I mean, it is COVID. It is there. We can't go anywhere. I can't meet anybody. We can't do anything. So how am I going to be able to keep myself sober? Mm-hmm. And so um, I met um, one of the pages I follow is the Sober Sisters. And mm-hmm. I found them. And then they were posting that they were hosting like a Sunday morning group. And I'm like, you know what? I'm in. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, that first day, it, it, you know, like how you and I met, and there, like that first conversation I had with you, mm-hmm. it was so beautiful. It was <laughs> like you hear somebody's words and you hear somebody's love and yeah. humility and compassion, and you're like, this is what I need in my life. Yeah. And that's how I felt with my very first meeting with those women. And you know, it's it's almost like when. I don't know exactly what it is like to go to an AA meeting. I haven't attended any yet, but I'm thinking like you just, you're around a different group of people. Mm-hmm. They may have not been your friends outside of that environment. Right. 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 But we all have a story. Absolutely. And we all have something to gain from it. And, and you're not your past. You know, oftentimes we tend to think that we tend to think that, where the things that we've done, we tend to think that, you know, we are, you know, maybe what society has said or, you know, our thoughts and all these different things that, you know, we think of. And we we have to understand that we all have made mistakes. We've all done some things, especially us that are, you know, sober. I, I tell my business all the time, you've been listening to this podcast. And I do that because I you need to understand that you're not alone. And that you're gaining sobriety. Yes, it's a process. It doesn't come overnight. It is a journey. But it also is going to bring out so much more that's inside of you. As frightening as it is, there's a sisterhood that's waiting for you. There's support that's available for you. And someone needs you. Now, here you are, Gloria, you know, being an example for others. And I have to say publicly, all right, so I again, um, I have got to ask, tell the people how long you have been sober. I recently celebrated four months of sobriety. Yes, Queen, four months of sobriety. Four months of COVID sobriety. COVID, exactly. That is that is that does need to be stated exactly. Hey, it's one way or the other right now. Like liquor sales have gone up the roof, and I oh. chose. Absolutely. You're not trying to spread the word. You are spreading the word. And it is so commendable. I really, really honor you. I respect you for making that decision. Doesn't matter how long you were drinking, how long it took. You did it. You're doing it rather. Um, that is what needs to be highlighted. And that's what I want the Queens on, you know, in this audience to hear. Like, it doesn't matter. Let's not focus on how long we've been out there or how many times we started and stopped, started and stopped, or the things that other people are saying about us. People are going to talk. That's just what they do. And you're not here to prove anybody wrong or right you're here to prove yourself or give yourself enough you know i would say permission enough uh kindness and you're here to just show yourself that you want to fight for yourself that's important that's really 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 what it's like so what i want to know is what gives you motivation so i am sober social media 
Lydia is my saving grace. You know, I think that it is a really good place for sober curious people to start. You know, because you're really not sure, but you know something's not right if you're searching, right? Like, you, you right. know that something's not right, but there's something else that you need that you can fulfill your life with. And right. so, sober social media, um, my support group, the Sober Sisters, sort of, I attend that twice a week. Um, I recently got a sponsor. I am working the steps. I surrendered. I found my higher power. Yes. Um, and I think that sometimes, like, it was really hard for me when I was first reading um, the big book, which is the Al-Anon book for alcoholics, because it, when people think of, like, God or the higher power, it turns them, it, it, you're a little fearful of that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people are like, well, you don't know my God. And so for me, I grew up spiritually different than other people, and that's okay. I found what worked for me. Right. You know, and right. so my higher power may look different than yours, but if it's something that well, I'm going to say you're going to have to believe in somebody higher than yourself. That's, that's, that's just the bottom line, right? But I love that you said that your higher power may, be, may look different than mine. And that is absolutely the truth. Um, but we definitely have to understand that anything you do in life, you need a higher power. It does it sobriety success or whatever you you want to be an entrepreneur you need it, it you can't say oh it's me that's doing this okay that's really not going to work but for so long so i love that you said that so you're so you're saying that social media is or the family in social media which is the, the sobriety community they are your motivation am i hearing you correct that you said that because it isn't one size fit all it really isn't and you know for me it's like even when I see people that are part of sober communities via social media I think it's great but you need more than just that it really isn't I don't think just one thing is enough I just really don't believe that um, multiple options or multiple uh, services or support systems rather will be even a greater benefit, I feel, you know, um, you having a sponsor, being able to speak to that person, being able to express your emotions, because that's my other question. How do you handle your emotions as a sober queen? um, I wanted to put this out there too. So I did grow up with an alcoholic mom. Um, She's still a practicing alcoholic. And so I also, I've been applying courage to change, which is the Al-Anon part of Mm -hmm. the concept. And I've been doing that since like my early being able to practice all of those and I think it's really healthy like some of us are relatable in that sense that we grew up in a home right being alcoholic and so it it really like it helps me see both sides so courage 
them. I love ever. it. And love when, it. when I surrendered and I found my higher power, I really connected through meditation and yoga. It, you know, I just, and it was like this beautiful sensation that came over my body. And mm-hmm. to be able to sit, even if it's just for two minutes, right? Like really, you yes. can sit there and you pay attention and you breathe and you talk to somebody that's higher than you, you will feel that change. I agree. I agree a thousand percent, a million percent. What do you do for sober fun? So, because I got sober during COVID, um, I really couldn't go out. I was scared to go out. So, like, COVID was kind of good for me because I was able to self-isolate and I didn't have to make excuses, right? Mm. Usually in sobriety, it's just the normal world. Right. And people are like, hey, come to this party. And you're like, oh, I have the flu. Right. <laughs> right now, you're going to scare people. Yes. <laughs> you said that take initiative don't feel uh afraid or don't feel like people are going to judge you they're there for a reason people want to help and i say it all the time you know you know call me inbox me you know if you have a problem if you have a question it's not always about you know well oh well i have to join her program or i have to no if you have a question just ask me i have no problem with answering it um, I'm so grateful, as I said, to have had you on this interview. I always do like a, I guess we're going to call a lightning round. And I ask two questions. And uh, so the first is, what's one book that you would recommend to the audience here? One that you've either read with sobriety or doesn't have to necessarily be sobriety. question is well it's my name is you'll fill in your name and sobriety to me is so my name is my name is Gloria and sobriety is worthy and powerful and enlightening beautiful 
Absolutely it is. I could not agree, agree even more. Um, I'm so grateful to have had you here on the Silver Sessions podcast. You guys be sure to go on over to Instagram and make sure you follow Sober Girl underscore glow. She's truly inspiring, you guys. Um, I had to have her on again because four months you think like, oh my gosh, you know, I don't have this allotted time, quote unquote. You know, who am I to make a difference? Who am I to have my story shared? As Gloria said, we all have a story and we all have something to contribute to this world. So um, I hope you've definitely found value in this interview. That is always the intent. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review on what you thought about this interview. I so would appreciate it. We're right on Apple. I will talk to you guys next week.